The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week, we finished up our series, three-week series on foundations. Foundations, uh, last year, God just called us as a church to be prepared um, and to start uh, making that foundation and preparation to steps to a permanent home, permanent facility. And uh, uh, last year, we were just kind of like, well, here's where we think what, what we're going to see. And God just totally just did some awesome things through the spring. And uh, we just celebrated the one year of that foundations campaign this last weekend. And uh, thank you to those in our core that that uh, stepped up to be obedient with uh, uh, giving above your tithes and offerings to help make that uh, a reality. And then last week, we had another $30,000 committed for that campaign. Um, and what that means is, you know, budget is on track and going well to do what we need to do uh, to be in a permanent facility. We're, we're not going to drive for money. We believe this is a spiritual journey, not a financial one. And um, it, it's incredible how God just kind of works us through a process. The, um, this morning, we had a prayer time. I know you guys are late service people, 1145 service people. Many of you serve in the second service, and thank you. The uh, uh, 8.30 in the morning, which feels like a day ago at this point, um, we uh, gather and we have a prayer time before service, and everybody's welcome to that. Well, this morning we were praying, and afterwards a couple of us kind of had a moment and uh, talking about everything we've gotten to see in this facility. Last night we were here kind of as a worship family, a lot of the worship band and some core team people, and we got to... We got to see Callie and Fred get engaged. So Callie and Fred got engaged last night. And, yes. Um, y'all be able to give them all kinds of advice on the way out. But uh, honestly, I was sitting back over in that corner, and I just kind of had a moment. Felt like a proud dad for a minute. And I've gotten to see so many things. God do so many things in our church and uh, in, our, in our people. And we just kind of had a moment. I mean, last night I was watching... To have, I feel like my kids grow up, and um, I've seen you go through some difficult times, some hard times, and and uh, I've seen God just just bring you through some incredibly um, growing experiences, and so I got to see that, and um, just the salvations, and you know, kids that we've been able to dedicate to the Lord here, and walk through difficulties, and even joys, and just all of those things that we've seen in this facility. And we just kind of had a moment and said, you know what, this needs to be a place where a stone goes for our hearts to say, this is a place where God did something. Um, and my prayer, my hope is every time we don't just drive by this place, but the word daycare, let that be a trigger in our memory to give God thanks for everything we got to see him do as a church, because he's moving us in a process. Now, we're not, we're not going to leave this place and forget it. We want this to be a legacy um, I hope that there's another church that can launch in here because, honestly, this is a great place to launch a church. I'm working with several guys right now that are looking to launch churches in daycares and kind of modeling some of the equipment and format and structure that we do. I love that. I pray that they have the, that same uh, experience of God doing something in their midst, um, that it not be about a facility. As we move, I mean, we're moving, what, three-point-something miles and I pray that as we move and go into that, it's not about the brick and mortar. It's not about the walls or anything like that. It is about a place where we gather that becomes a holy environment because we are the temple. We're gathering and God is in our presence and we can see him do more incredible things. I'm grateful for that. 
this week I just went really nostalgic and, and just spent time. Last Sunday afternoon, after looking back with our foundation's journey and, and what happened the previous year and the last three weeks, I just spent time thanking God. And that just, it's, it's great when you get an attitude of, of, of gratefulness because it really, I love that bunny trail. I know you make fun of me for going down all these bunny trails a lot of times, but I love the gratitude bunny trail because it leads you into thanking God for so many things that we we really don't stop and take the time to thank Him for. I mean, I was thanking Him for my family, my girls. I have two incredible daughters that love the Lord, and they're serving Him and following Him. I have an amazing wife who is is so wonderful. She is, is, she's awesome. She is my rock. She's my armor bearer, as she says. When we launched this church, I said, honey, I really feel like this is what God's calling us to do. I feel like this is the hill God's calling us to charge. And she said, I'm with you, heart and soul. Let's go. I was grateful for, I mean, I just, you just start looking around. It's kind of like one of those moments where you just start thanking God for the things in your life. And we're entering a new season right now um, called the holidays. And, you know, the, the holidays are... Thanksgiving, and then Christmas. Now, I've been seeing Christmas trees since Labor Day. And so I know Trinity says never to really start thinking about Christmas, but Labor Day, that's pushing a little bit, right? I'm like, wait a second. I'm thinking about the beach, and I'm seeing Christmas trees. Um, But uh, it isn't too early to start thinking about Christmas because there are 120 kids, right, ish, 125 kids that aren't going to get Christmas this year. And here's what I love about the creek. We say, you know what? We're going to do something about that. And so next week, there's going to be forms for us to pick up, and uh, we are going to take care of these kids for Christmas. I love it. And uh, it's never too early to start thinking about Christmas in this regard. Every day should be a reminder that we have a Savior who was willing to step into humanity and willing to embrace uh, this, this flesh and, and the limitations of the flesh, that you have God in the fullness of God wrapping himself in flesh. That's a reminder every day. It's never too early to start thinking about Easter. What is Easter? That's the moment where most of us as Christ followers stop and say, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that this day isn't just about eggs and candy, but this day is about the day you walked victorious from a tomb. Every day in our life should be a remembrance of the resurrection. For us sitting in this room and having life and hope and reconciliation through Christ means the resurrection has become a reality in our everyday life. So it's not just seasons. I think seasons might call our awareness to it and give us the ability to minister to people who have no hope through these seasons. But those those things should be on us all the time. Today we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 17. And uh, uh, if you've got a Bible, meet me there. If you don't, we have some on the ends of the row. If you don't own a Bible, write your name in that. Make that your Bible. Take that. It's our gift to you. I love saying that every week. We're going to buy Bibles as long as we have to. Now, I want, I'd love to have everybody in this area not just have a Bible, but engaging with the Word of God. If you've got a smart device or, or bag phone, if it has Wi-Fi on it, man, if you've done all that upgrade, then man, giddy up. You can get onto version, and it's a free app. We've put the notes, the scriptures, the fill-ins, everything. So uh, I think we'll get, get there in just a minute. But um, one of the things that we do in the... the I'm going to kind of let you into a, a church leadership circle here for a minute. 
We talk about the year and there's specific messages and times throughout the year where we talk about certain things. And I started thinking, you know, the, the tendency in the church world is the weekend after Thanksgiving to talk about gratitude. And I know I'm setting Trinity up. He's not going to be able to talk about gratitude the weekend after Thanksgiving. But we talk about gratitude and we make jokes about gluttony. You know, okay, you had turkey, hope you're grateful. Now let's talk about what it means to be grateful. I want us to kind of approach this a little differently. We have a week and a half until Thanksgiving. I want us to approach that Thanksgiving table truly understanding what it means to come prepared to give thanks. So we have now a week and a half to ramp up, to become aware, to let God start to heighten our senses, to speak to our hearts about areas of gratitude. So when we gather, it doesn't become a day where where it can be a volatile situation with your family about who, who burned the gravy, which is a sin, by the way. I don't know how that happens, but I, I'm working through that. Counseling is working on that. Um, it, 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 I know, I know how volatile some of it, are. it can be. Sometimes this can be around the family table. My hope is in this next week and a half, God works on your heart to come to it grateful. That you're grateful even for the people who sit across from you that are sitting there, that God's brought these people in your life, no matter how much they may challenge you. I know life isn't always easy. I know some of you are going through dark times, but it's still important to give God thanks in those times. This, this scripture, this, in, this exchange between um, 10 men, or actually really ends up being one man and Jesus, uh, there's one out of 10 that came back to give thanks for a healing. And I, I don't think the Bible is saying, you know, only 10% of people are this. I thought about calling the message a 10%er, but I knew when the tweet went out yesterday about Pastor Matt, you know, the tweet goes out, Pastor Matt's message, if it would have said 10%er, y'all would have been like, no, we got yard work to do. He's talking about money. I'm going to talk about money all the time, by the way, just, just so you can't have an excuse. Now, I was going to call it 10%er, and y'all would have thought, oh, tithe. Well, there's tithes of other things. Tithe means 10%. Yes, we should be obedient to manage our finances in a way that glorifies God. But the way we do that is with gratitude. The way we're obedient with everything God's given us is to have this heart of gratitude and being grateful for what God has done for us in our life. And that, that goes beyond money. That's money. That's time. That's our family. That's everything. Are we truly thankful? I wonder if 10% really is a percentage. I mean, is it really, could it be that high maybe? I know some of you think, it, could it be that low? I'm wondering, could it be that high that really 10% of people who follow Christ and profess Him as their Savior actually come back to Him regularly to give Him thanks? I know that sounds backwards that, you know, like, no, that, I can't believe it's that low. Think about it. We, we're, we're just like kids. If you've got kids, you understand this concept. If you don't have kids, I'm not trying to scare you into not having kids, but, but pay attention on this. Those of us who have kids, we like to talk about this with other parents because we, we, find, we find therapy in that. But it's the case of the gimmies, right? Your kids, give me this, give me this, give me, can I have, can I have, I want, I want. I'm that way. I'm a grown man and I'm still that way. I mean, I was looking at stuff yesterday trying to talk together. Can I have that? I mean, I'm just as broken as everybody else. I mean, we're born into a sin nature. It plays out differently. I like stuff. I mean, we're in, a, we're in that season of our culture and society that just highlights we're a generation of more. We're a culture of more. We need more, more, more. You need this. It's on sale. 
I got a fortune cookie. Fred got a fortune cookie the other day. He said, don't buy things because they're on sale. Buy things because you need it. Thus say Confucius. I don't... And then the other one was don't borrow money from a pest or borrow money from a, a pessimist because they'll never expect it back. <laughs> awesome. But in this generation, some of y'all be like, how do you see the glass? And I borrow 20 bucks. <laughs> but we are a generation of more, but what is it more of that we're seeking? Do we want more of God's presence? Do we want more of His grace? Do we want more of the fruit of His Spirit? More joy, more peace, more love. What is the more we're seeking? Are we trying to just kind of medicate our hearts um, and mask the the ungratefulness that we carry? Or maybe we're trying to self-medicate pride or whatever it is. But my prayer is that through this season, through Thanksgiving and through Christmas, and you just become a just acutely aware of God's presence in your life and seek more of that. Seek that first. So these 10 men, let's let's read about these 10 men. We're going to end today with communion because I think that's just a beautiful uh, time of coming to a a table, a a communion table, Thanksgiving table uh, with gratitude. Uh, Luke chapter 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. I think one person out of those ten left that time different than the other nine. They all ten may have been cleansed, but I think one really left well. There's some dynamics going on in this in this passage here. Uh, let me help it by explaining some of leprosy. Leprosy is a terrible disease. Uh, it is painful. It begins to consume you from the inside out, and it affects your skin. It affects you physically. It affects you mentally, and it's going to affect you spiritually. Um, and leprosy in the Old Testament, in Numbers 5, um, it would be up to the priest to declare them unclean. So they would be uh, cast out of society. Now, I don't know, in our, in our context today, we don't have leprosy a lot in our society. I did find out one day the other day, one way the other day, how you can get leprosy. I was watching a food show, and I don't know if you're at, like at the restaurants when you see the asterisks on the menu, do you read that to see what that is? Do you know that consuming undercooked meat or raw foods can be hazardous to your health? I still like sushi, but I mean, I'm just asking if you read the asterisk. But anyway, on this cooking show, they are cooking... Uh, armadillo. And there's an asterisk that says, armadillos can carry leprosy. And I'm like, why would you want to eat that then? <laughs> what thinkest thou? I, now I'm under the, the, the thought that enough gravy, sauce, uh, hot sauce, salsa, you know, anything, that can cover up just about anything. 
but I don't know about Armageddon. Don't you get any ideas about roadkill? <laughs> but Matt, it was still warm. No, 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 no. It's warm outside. I, I just don't understand. And don't get any ideas for the barbecue cook-off in the spring. Mm-mm, no, no. Hey, Matt, try this. I'm on to you already, my friend. I will remember this day. What is this? I found it. Where did you find it? Um, the shoulder. It's a shoulder. It's a shoulder. It's an armadillo shoulder. No, I, I, anyway, leprosy is a terrible disease. I mean, and the, the priest would declare you unclean. Here's what that meant. You were cast out of society, basically. The person with leprosy had to live outside of relationship. They had to live outside of the city. It says that they were at a distance from Jesus. Rabbinical tradition and, and um, law was that they had to be a hundred paces from everyone else. So they were cast out. They had to uh, shout unclean when someone entered that hundred pace barrier. They would have to shout unclean. They had to cover their face, which for us it just means, well, If their face is distorted and leprosy begins to eat the skin, if their face looks like that, they need to cover their face. Okay, that's our side. Think about their side. The face in Hebrew tradition was the most intimate part of the body. That was what they considered the presence of the person. To know someone's presence was to look in their face. When you read the Old Testament and God says to the children of Israel, seek my face, he's saying, seek my presence. Seek the most intimate part of God that there is. And he said, that is my face. They couldn't have intimacy with anyone. They couldn't have relationship with anyone because their presence was closed off from everyone around them. There was a social stigma uh, that happened with this. Many, it, would be, it would be said of these people that God is dealing with them over a sin. Let me, let me caution us today. We like to stay at our 100-pace barrier from sinful people and call out judgment on them. Well, the reason that you're like that, the reason you're cast out of society, we like to yell the, oh, by the ways. Oh, by the way, the reason that you're cast out is because you're broken. You got a problem. You got something to deal with. When you deal with that, then we'll talk. And so these people were completely shut out. And they start shouting to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They understood that there was no other process. They had heard who Jesus was. They had heard about the Messiah, the one who has been waited on for centuries, that when he comes, and they they were shouting, he was their last hope. He was their only hope. Now, I want to be careful here not to say leprosy and sin are the same thing, But there's some interesting parallels that we can draw. The sin nature for us, we're born into sin. And it consumes us from the inside out. We like to call judgment on people for their sin, but the reality is we're just as sinful. We like to say the reason you have a problem is this. When in reality we have the same problem. It's called a sinful nature. I joked about it a minute ago that mine plays out in wanting stuff. We all have a sinful nature and it plays out in different ways. But can I tell you that the enemy, Satan, wants to do this. He wants to cast you out of the presence of God to say you cannot draw near to God because you are too worthless. You are unclean. 
Satan would love for us to walk around the holiness of God shouting unclean and miss his presence. And they started shouting, Jesus, have pity on us. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. Jesus wasn't casting them away. He wasn't saying, I'm not willing to break the barrier of a hundred paces, so go to the priest and let him deal with you. He wasn't casting them off. Jesus knew that the priest was the one who was going to declare them clean so that they could re-engage in society. So Jesus says, go, go show yourself to the priest. He didn't have to do anything crazy. He just said, go show yourself to the priest. And he knew that when Jesus said it, he knew it was done. And we like to make faith a process. Remember I told you what faith is? Hearing God and obeying it. That's simple. Hear God, do what he says. These men heard Jesus say, go show themselves to the priest. Why do you think they started turning and walking to the priest? Because they knew based on Numbers, uh, yeah, Numbers 14 or Leviticus 14 that the priest was the one who would check them out and say, you can now re-engage in society. When, when, the, when they had been cleansed of leprosy, they could come back in their homes. They could come back into the, the village. They could, be, they could uncover their face. And so they were, they, all right, Jesus said we could do it. Let's do it. Th- that word for pity means mercy. Jesus, have mercy on me. There's interesting um, character traits about God that we like to either avoid or rail against. One that we like to rail against and, and honestly avoid is the just nature of God, the justice of God. God is a just God. And we like to say, well, I don't understand how God could be that cruel. I don't understand when I read the Old Testament and I read about God's justice, why he would do the things he would do. I don't understand that. That's not fair. Here's the reality. Because of the sinful nature we are born into, from the time Adam and Eve sinned, death reigned until the time of Christ. Jesus, master here in this this passage, overcame death. He reigns victorious, but he reigns from his earthly throne. The earth, creation, is still broken. It's still subject to the things of a broken nature. I mean, we see the brokenness of the world played out in all types of things. We can't always say that because these men have leprosy that God's judging them. We can't always say that when a a typhoon happens that God is calling judgment on a nation. We can't always say that when you get sick, then you got some sin in your life. Jesus was talking with the disciples when they came upon a blind man. And he says, they said, why is this man blind? Why was he born blind? Who sinned? He or his parents? And Jesus is like, neither. These things happen. When we live in a fallen, broken creation, we've got to understand it wasn't just man that fell at that point in the garden. Creation fell. Creation groans. One day, one day through Jesus because of the cross of Christ, The reconciliation of all things will be made complete. Things above the earth, things on the earth, things under the earth. He will reconcile all things to himself through the cross. We live in a creation that is broken and things happen. And God is a just God. Because of the sin nature we are born into, the justice of God, our just... um, cause or our just um, punishment is death. The wages of sin is death. So justice is getting what we deserve. They're calling out for pity, for mercy. 
Mercy is I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Maybe these men knew we, we do have some sin issues. This may not be God's judgment, but we've got sin issues. We are separated from God. When we see ourselves compared to a holy Jesus, a perfect Savior, we've got issues. Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus doesn't just have mercy. on He shows mercy to all 10 of them. He says, all 10 of you have been cleansed. Go show yourself to the priest. The one that came back, I think he got grace. What's the difference in mercy and grace? Grace is when I get what I don't deserve. See, we deserve death. The just nature of God and His justice, we deserve death. We deserve hell because of our sin nature. Mercy says, I'm not going to send you hell. Grace says, you are my sons and daughters. Enter into this with me. I'm not just going to keep you from what you deserve. I'm not just going to avoid the punishment, but I'm going to allow you into what you don't deserve, and that's the presence of a holy God. That's grace. And so this man, and, and look, at, look at what's going on. He's a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews don't talk. They don't interact. When you want to read about the social stigma there, go to John chapter 4. And the woman at the well who's a Samaritan says to Jesus, why do you talk to me? We don't associate with one another. He comes back and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Because I'm not going to minimize suffering. I know we've got people in our church community that are suffering, that are going through the darkest times that they've ever been through in their life. That life is hard. That it, it, it becomes hard to find anything to be joyful about. Can I, can I tell you that you can still be grateful to God because he's still good? It might be the hardest moment in your life. I mean, when Paul talks about this light momentary suffering, when you're in the middle of that, it's not light and it doesn't feel momentary. But right now, you might be in that moment. You can still give thanks to God because he is still good. His joy was new this morning when he got up. God is an unchanging God. He's not changed by circumstances. He's not changed by culture. He's not changed. God is still good. So what can we learn from this man? I I think the first one is gratitude comes from a recognition of what God has done for us. I know you've been dying for a fill-in. Y'all are looking at me like, are we ever going to get to these fill-ins? Because lunchtime is coming soon. This man, it says he saw that he was cleansed. The, The Greek word means to perceive. He could perceive all that God had done for him. Do we really perceive all that God has done for us? It's like this. Do we really see it before we see it? I mean, this man's walking away. There's 10 men. They're walking to the priest so they could be reunited for their, with their families. And so he's looking down and he sees something different. He could see that he was cleansed. And he returns to Jesus. We like to look at our skin as the indicator and go, well, Jesus, there's still scars. Jesus, there's still wounds. It's It's not complete, Jesus. So I guess I'll just go to the priest and see what they say. Can I tell you when Jesus says it, it's finished? 
We walk a process, but he's finished it. This man could see not just his skin was cleansed, but when he knew, when he got to that priest and he would say, you're declared clean, he knew what it meant. That he could walk back into his home. That he could uncover his face and the presence could be fully enjoyed in his home. That I don't know if this man is married or has kids, but I mean that he could enjoy the presence of his family. That he could be close to other people. That that he wouldn't have to shout unclean, unclean, unclean anytime someone came within a hundred paces of him. That he was fully restored to society. That he was fully reconciled from this separation of people. That's what Jesus really did. We like to look and go, oh, he cleaned my skin. Can you perceive all that Jesus has done for you? Can I tell you that you have something to be thankful for because in the last second, you just took a breath. And you took that breath because the creator and sustainer of the universe who holds it in his hand and it sustains by his word gave you a breath. Sometimes we may only be able to say, God, thank you for this breath. But it's important that we have a grateful heart that says, thank you for this breath. This man returned to give Jesus praise. I think we need to make worship a priority. We need to make it a priority to give God thanks in all times. I, I really do believe that this man was going to go show himself to the priest, right? But he was disobedient. Jesus said, go show him. Jesus wanted the heart. He wanted the priority of the heart. This man, when he saw it, he's like, hold, hold up, guys. Y'all go on. I've got to go back and I've got to spend time because I know my presence is going to be restored later, but that's the presence I need. I need to be in his presence because it's only his presence that allows this to happen. It is his presence that allows the breath to happen. It is his presence that I need more than anything else. That is my first priority. That is what I will seek first. I'll make it to the priest, but I'm going to spend time with Jesus. This worship, this idea of worship is is simply this. It is telling God what he's worth. The word comes from worth-ship. What is it worth? When we worship God, we tell God what he is worth. And this this act of humility means, worship really means this. The Greek word is proskuneo. I illustrated this to my family the other night because we've got a dog and I was holding out my hand and the dog was licking my hand. And they're like, eh. And I go, eh, that's proskuneo. They're like, that's what? They're like, that's proskuneo. Gross. And I was like, no, that's proskuneo. That is worship. Worship is, proskuneo is literally translated the dog licking the hand of the master. We cleaned it up to make it pretty. And it means to kiss the hand of a king. When we come to Jesus in worship and we enter into his presence, We're kissing the hand of a king. If our worship, if we fail to make giving thanks and worship a priority, here's the danger. Our obedience becomes a duty. It becomes something we check off as something to do. 
there's a acute prayer model out there. I'm not knocking it and I'm not endorsing it, but it's called the ACTS, that there's A-C-T-S. You uh, spend time in adoration. You adore God. So when you come into your prayer time, you spend a portion of the time adoring God, telling him how good he is. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are good. And then the next one is confession. It's confessing our sins to God. God, here's areas that I have fallen short of your glory. And then the T is thankfulness. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the S is supplication. That means presenting our request before the Lord. That's where we get, we, we skip the ACT and we go to the right, the S, man. We're like, wait, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, God. I mean, we're just like the kid, our kids when we find therapy with each other. We're like, God, I've got a case of the gimme's. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But we reduce that time to a formulaic, well, i got to spend this amount of time on A, this amount of time on C, this amount of time on T, this amount of time on S, and we regiment our obedience to where it just becomes a duty, and we lose gratitude. We become ungrateful because we're just following the pattern. When was the last time you just got lost in worship? Maybe sitting in your house, man, you throw on a, a CD or something, and you just realize you, time has just gone, and you've just spent presence with God. Worship doesn't just happen when we've got a band playing excellent music. <coughs> Worship may happen when you're in your car, telling God how much He's worth. That becomes our priority. And I think a grateful heart will humbly give God glory for working in our life. Pride will kill gratitude. Pride's going to kill a lot of things. And one of the first things it takes out is gratitude. If you want to defeat pride, start thanking other people. A proud heart can't say thank you. We live in a generation that likes to figure things out. I don't know if you're like me. I like figuring things out. I, I really think I'm probably one auto repair away from becoming master mechanic. And I have YouTube to thank for that. I think I'm going to order the ASE patch, honestly. I have done so much work on our cars, and this week I changed a battery in a parking lot. Yeah, that's my NASCAR term. It's battery. You don't say battery in the NASCAR lingo, lingo because it just takes too long. That's too many syllables. I changed a battery in a parking lot. And Heather's looking over me, and she is encouraging me. She's like, baby, you just, man, I'm just so impressed by how much you know. You just changed that battery. I said, battery, baby. You just changed that so wonderfully, and I'm just so proud of you. I love you. You're just, you're just a man. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go break a car so I can fix one to hear my wife say that. I'm going to put YouTube videos up. Hey, guys, here's how, to, here's how to tweak your car, to fix your car, to make your wife think you're good, you know? But I was like, man, I just, I love figuring things out. But there comes a point when I can't figure things out. This, this, and I don't like being stuck, but this, this spring I had to do a major project on our car. And YouTube helped me, and I did it. And I'm sitting in my garage. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like celebrating me because I did this. And, and then it just hits me, man. God, God will humble you. He, he's like, well, where did you get that car? Uh, God, you gave it to me? How did you get that car? Money. How'd you get the money? Well, you gave it to me. How'd I give it to you? By trusting you. Where's that car parked? At my house. And I started thanking God. God, thank you for trusting me with your stuff so that I could afford to buy this car. 
Thank you for giving me the money to be able to buy the parts to do it. Thank you for helping me through this repair. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. And it just, a proud heart cannot say thank you. And in that moment, man, pride started taking in and going, I did it. How many of us look at, back at our life and, and we get to this point going, I did it. And God's saying, you did nothing. If you want to kill pride, start thanking me. And I would suggest by starting to thank God. Thank you for the breath. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the resources. Thank you for the food. Thank you for doing this. And let it come from a heart of gratitude. This man threw himself at the feet of Jesus. That takes amazing humility. To say above all else, I don't care what anyone else says, the hundred pace barrier gets broken when you're holding on to his ankles. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus. Think about this in context of communion. We're going to take communion here in a minute. The context of communion where we're born into a sinful nature. We have no hope. We can't figure it out. There's no YouTube video for us to figure out how to save ourselves. Our only hope is Jesus. We're born in this sinful nature and, and, and we're separated from God. And Satan wants nothing more than to, for you to miss the presence of a holy God. And what I love about the cross is that is the God of creation, the Lord of lords, Wrapping himself in flesh and saying, forget the hundred paces, I'm running to you. And the cross stands as a monument, a remembrance. That when Jesus said it, it's finished. And he calls us to come to him. And it's that moment of humility when we realize there's nothing we can do and we say, Jesus, Master, have pity on me. And we humble ourselves at his feet. And he says, not only do you get mercy, but my grace will cover you. And we walk it out and we live grateful because of that sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the breath that you just allowed us to have. And we thank you for your word, which is truth. God, we just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We ask that... In this moment, maybe some of us have a condition of the soul where the enemy is through our sin nature kept us separated from you. And I pray right now that if there be that moment that we call out Jesus, our master, have pity on us. Lord, I pray for your mercy. Maybe there's some in this room that have called out to your mercy for the first time. God, I pray for the humility to bow 
hearts and our lives before you, not just to receive your mercy, but receive your grace. Lord, of all the things that we worship in our life and that we allow to be at the center and focus and and sit on the, the throne of our life, as we like to say, that, Father, I pray that we would tear those down. Those thrones would be replaced with you. I pray that just as you, when you said it is finished and gave up your spirit, Jesus, the veil was torn, your presence was opened. I pray in this moment right now that you lift our veil so presence can be experienced. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.